This CA is showing astronomical abjection show man for October 12, 2022. How's it going? Personal How goes it? Jesus. Well, let's get right to it. The Toronto Blue Jays blew the third time in the history of the playoff baseball in the major cares. leagues. A seven-run lead. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I mean, by the end of it, I, you know, given that it was a game two after they lost the game one, I was just like, dude, whatever. You know, get, I was already disappointed at how the game one went, you know, on Friday. And then I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. And then game two, they started off so well. I'm like, all right, I guess they are back in the groove. And then, you know, even those gambling side of it, I said, I think the Toronto's are going to bounce back. So yeah, I picked them, and you know, I just, I just thought this team was way more talented to like overcome it, you know. Get, even though they lost to the Mariners in season series like two to five, and they got swept in Seattle, you know, in July when they're in an utter funk that led to the firing of the manager at that time. Well, I don't know. Maybe it's time to consider if uh, they got to fire the new guy, the interim guy, John Schneider. But I don't know. <laughs> Just getting right to the game, there's the whole debate is in the sixth inning when they're up 8-1 to one and then the bases got loaded. Kevin Gossman, you know, my favorite pitcher. I think he's the closest uh, pitcher today that comes to Roy Holiday, who's my all-time favorite pitcher. Um, you know, he started slow in that inning because he sat for, what, at least half an hour to see, like, eight runs come in in that game, you know, the previous, like, half inning. So he started real slow and he got the bases loaded, but he got two really good outs. And then I thought he threw about 95 pitches. And I was like, all right, I guess he's getting there with the seven-run lead. At the same time, I, my thought process was he just warmed up now. Give him 10 more pitches and get get him, you know, give him a chance to get out of it. If he gave up a run or two and then they collapsed after whatever, then people would call for head risk. Oh, why did they not pull him at 95 pitches? You know, they got to 100. So it will be that debate over and over. But, you know, at that point, I said, you know what, 95, go with what you know with the analytics. Um, personally, I would have kept him in because I felt that he really warmed up after he loaded the bases. And then I said, okay, he's splitters back, and then he's going after it. So it was a little surprising that after he got a really good pop out uh, that John Schneider, the manager, pulled him. Or I would have just sat him. And then not bring him back in that sixth inning. And some of you might be like, but BK, what the fuck? I'm sorry, it's a seven-run lead. And then the the other team, I assume, we're going to keep him dejected. You bring in a cold arm after it sat there for 30-something minutes, I just go like, I'm sorry. Like, there's a chance that he might give up a run or two or even load up the bases. I saw this yesterday with the Mets, Edwin Diaz, you know, after, you know, or two days ago, the Saturday night, the same night, same day. Uh, when he sat like so long of a time after the Mets came back and like they blew the roof open. He, I think he sat like 39 minutes or something before he came back on mound. He threw a little bit and then went off. But then by that time, the lead was already way too high for the Mets. And then the it was way later in the inning, I think in the eighth. So I think there was more reason to like pull him at that point than with Gossman's situation in the sixth. But that's what I would have done. But, you know, the rest of the collapse that happened you know i just go like you bring in tim Mesa, who you know who threw a wild pitch and then a home run the fat one and then the jimmy garcia comes in i really don't understand the logic where 
they made a decision, and ESPN was saying this is like the closer Jordan Romano. You might have to go for six outs. You know, he hasn't pitched in a week. And I'm like, I'm sorry, you don't put a closer in there for six outs. Did you not see the mistake that they made on Friday with the what was it the the Cardinals closer who had a fatigue arm, so he was off and he was out, he just came off the DL, and they try to get him like what four outs or some shit, and I just go like five outs maybe six outs I don't know, so. I would have kept Jimmy Garcia another inning in there for the third out at least. I would have have him seen like those get those three outs. So I don't understand why they just pulled Jimmy Garcia after two outs. Granted, he worked the night before on a Friday, but I'm sorry, your life and your it's a life and death elimination game here. So I would have gotten him one more out because Jimmy Garcia was rolling at this time. Then get Jordan Romano in for five outs. I think that would have been more reasonable than asking for six, six outs. Because who are you going to go after Jordan Romano at that point? They brought in Adam Simber. But I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, whatever. You're you're really, like, you know, going deep in the well at that point, right? Because you completely went reverse order in your bullpen priority from your maybe near the bottom fifth best bullpen guy, Tim Meza, you know, Who's been alright, but he's been giving up some fat ones lately, ending the season. And then, you know, then you go to your second best, Jimmy Garcia. Then you go to your best, Jordan Romano. And then risk the fatigue. Then you go to Adam Simber. And I'm like, alright, fuck, man. And then, in between that, and then, like, all that shenanigan that happened in the outfield, um, Springer was clearly hurting the last month. And, you know, it was evident. And the, But you, you weren't going to pull him. But personally, I would have also, this is where the managerial decision I just said, 8-1 to one game, he's, I know you want the best bat in that game, but he hasn't hit. Given how his hurting from his wrist and all that shit, he wasn't going to hit. He wasn't going to hit the ball beyond the infield at that point. And I just go like, I would have pulled him, get Jackie Bradley Jr. in for defense. And Jackie Bradley hasn't been so bad hitting lately. Then I would have saved, like, Rymel Tapia, but I guess Tapia had to come in after Whip Merrifield got hit in the head, you know, and they had to pull him. But I just go, like, I, I, I would have put Bradley Jr. in earlier because Springer was clearly hurting, and I didn't, I didn't think he was up to perform. And I, I just think they're relying a lot on... I think some of these decisions riding on your so-called best people for extended period in a life and death situation where they weren't performing is just unbelievable. Or, like, you see what I'm saying? Like, so that's what happened in that game. Bichette didn't call it off. Yada, yada, yada. What happened happened. Then again, out of all the baseball games for the Wildcatter series that I watched, that was the most entertaining one I saw because I saw the 15-inning game too between Cleveland and Tampa Bay. So I'm like, whatever. And I saw every single game on Friday also, you know, given the gambling. Um, <laughs> so I just like, whatever. But but if you watch the Blue Jays long enough, as shocking as that was, I was not fully surprised because I, I saw them in person way too many times this season. Let's see. I went to Cleveland. I was, I'm in Detroit, so I saw them. I went to Pittsburgh. I saw them in Toronto. And I saw them in Tampa. I almost saw them in Baltimore, but did not. And because of the MLB package, that thanks to T-Mobile that I had, I, I virtually watched, like, every single game that I could this year, you know. 
Um, and there are a few things that I noticed that I just go, oh boy. You're like, beginning of the season, coming into the spring training after the lockout, they're like, oh, this is, last year was a trailer. Wait for this season. The next level. All that fucking hype they're doing. I go like, all right, all right. They seem to be the most talented. The Yankees seem to be down. Who expected the Yankees to do what they did? But then again, I know that was like aberration. And then the things would normalize in the later in the season. There are a lot of fundamental emotional like things, behavioral things from this team that I see, I saw in person in Tampa and in Pittsburgh actually, where I simply said, I don't know if they're there to be a world champion or even get to the pennant. I just don't. Especially this year compared to last year. And I, I point to a couple of things. You know, you can talk about fixing the bullpen, all that stuff. Yes, they don't have a reliever that throws triple digits. You know, I, I'll talk about that in a little bit, the next five, ten minutes. But I I just felt that this team played, when I, whenever I look over, they're competing. I don't see much adjustment in game. And that's a big thing. Yes, they made adjustment, you know, hitting strides on the batting side of things as the season went along. You know, they started pretty decent in April, but then everybody was sloppy. Home run numbers were down, but the entire league was down, you know. But I also thought this team was awfully, awfully one-dimensional. It's You cannot predict what Blue Jays are going to show up. Either they're going to blow you out of the water or they're going to cave themselves in. And... This playoffs, it clearly showed that in game one, dude, they got shook. Alec Manoa was shook. The rest of the young guys were shook. And no one seemed to know how to fucking handle themselves in game one. But there are a lot of other occasions in the season where I saw when I was in Tampa. I didn't talk about this in the Tampa episode because I don't want to make it a sports podcast. Where I saw Tampa doing more, you know, itching for every run. Seattle. Purely from talent, other than the relief arm, like throwing 100 miles an hour, and Luis Castillo was unbelievable throwing that 100 miles an hour as a starter that long. Like, they were, they came ready. And all season long, I thought Seattle, given what happened last year, you know, they came ready. And they were in the right mindset, and they're, you know, they fight for every inch of it. You know, it's the exact thing that the Seattle people love. You know, with the Legion of Boom and all that stuff, the Supersonics grinding, you know, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, all that stuff. And they they play that style, and they have the leadership, and then the veterans there, and then the coaching staff to support it. The Blue Jays, on the other hand, I thought they were much better equipped last year than this year when it comes to this. So it was very disappointing that they didn't make the playoffs, but I really think Robbie Ray wasn't going to be it. And yes... The same Robbie Ray fucking pooched it. And I, you know, I gambled against Robbie Ray <laughs> on this fucking game because I I knew, like, his his thing wasn't going to last in September, October. And clearly that happened. And Robbie Ray, last year, cost one significant game against Baltimore late in the season, which I still cannot forgive. And I And the season came down to the very last day, which shouldn't have happened. Because Robbie Ray should have saved it. And they should have the Blue Jays should have been in the playoffs last year instead of the Red Sox. But clearly that didn't happen. So whatever. But 
holistically, the lineup is pretty predictable. And I think the management try to mitigate this by trying to get two left-handed bats because clearly this team doesn't have left-handed batters, uh, which was one, Freddie Freeman over the offseason. And they were in the contention, you know, once the Atlanta Braves said, no, we're not, you know, they're not going to whatever. And the Dodgers and Blue Jays were the last two teams I think it came down to. And then Freeman went with the Dodgers. I really think Freeman would have been the best fit on this team. You know, playing the DH and the occasional first base, Vladdy being the main first baseman. Of course, and then you'd be asking, but what about Alejandro Kirk and the uh, Jansen? And I'm like, dude, coming into this season, did anybody predict that both catchers, two catchers on a fucking team, one of them would hit over 300 and one of them have a fucking power number over 15 home runs in a season? No, you didn't. So they lucked into having two catchers that are hitting. One at above average and one with a high power. But for Freddie Freeman, he's a fucking bat. He he was competing for the batting champ in National League. It's Freddie Freeman. So it sucks that he didn't come. The other one, they really tried hard, the management, pronouns pal, to get Jose Ramirez out of Cleveland. You know, and then everyone's like, where is he going to play? He's a second baseman, blah, blah, blah. There's Bo Bichette, and then you're going to have a Marcus Samian dilemma. Last year, when they came to the free agency with the... Marcus Samian, the second baseman, and Robbie Ray, the starting pitcher, the ace. I would have prefer, preferred keeping Marcus Samian, given how his insertion in the lineup added more protection for Vladi and Teo, and which I think also inflated Samian's number quite a bit, and he got protected better. But also, Samian's a veteran on that team. He was a leader. Yeah, like you could you could just feel the vibe if you look at the bench. It's like, no, nah, I'm not gonna wear the jacket or some shit later in the season. That was utterly missing this season, and I think Freddie Freeman could have been the answer. And also Jose Ramirez, and that's a left-handed bat. I Cleveland. That was a Cleveland's decision because Cleveland got rid of everybody at this point. Lindor, fucking Trevor Bauer, you know, yada yada yada. You can go on. It's the Oakland A's in the Midwest without being the Oakland A's, right? So they decide to keep him, and then obviously Jose Ramirez has like been above, way above average hitter. And I go, God, that's what the Blue Jays wanted and tried to get. They couldn't get it. If you had Freddie Freeman and Jose Ramirez in your lineup, I think that drastically changes the dynamic of the hitting in this fucking team. And yet you can talk about fixing the bullpen and all that stuff. I think that righty-lefty, righty-lefty, and then just like how well they take the pitches, how well they make better contact without chasing so much between two of them, that would have made a tremendous difference in this lineup. And it would have been a surplus. Whatever the catcher was going to be, either Kirk hitting or Jansen hitting. Whatever, it's a catcher. So I think those two, they really hoped for it. And I think that would have put them in the next, literally the next level of World Series contention at that point. So just imagine if those two moves really came through in the beginning of the season. Now, the pitching side of things, it's it comes down to depth at that point. I I I have given up coming into the season and go 162 games and then like everybody's gonna be okay and then perform. So especially the relief pitchers are most dispensable at that point. So you so you, what you gotta do is keep and also the starting pitchers. Now we got the bullpen days and shit. So you gotta add more depth, depth, depth. So the Jays tried and added, and could they have done more? I think they tried, 
when they try to go get Noah Syndergaard and some of those like starters that can give more like five, six innings, so they could be fifth, six, six starter. No one expected Hyunjin Ryu to go down like that. No one expected Jose Jose Barrios to like just get hit. You know, nothing's wrong with him. I think it's between the mental and then whatever he was tipping off his pitch this season that he hasn't tipped off the last four years. And also, you say Kiguchi. $36 million over three years, and then he got 16 of them this year. He's getting 10 for the next two seasons. In the very beginning, he looked like Robbie Ray. <laughs> Cheaper version of it. But he just couldn't locate. And they try to get... Ross Stripling replacement, I guess Mitch White, my favorite. I make fun of him a lot on Instagram. But the thing is, I think Mitch White is a really good pitcher. He just needs to believe in his pitches and believe that, like, put the ball in play. The thing that Roy Holiday's done well. Instead of trying to, like, nibble around the fucking zones, throwing the fucking slider just out, just out, overthrow, you know. He doesn't hang so much. He's just overthrowing it. And if he tries not to overthrow it, he hangs it, or and then people make contact. It's not the home runs that he, Mitch White is giving up. He's giving up a lot of contact that goes beyond the infield. But the thing is, that what I noticed in September was that he was getting better. And yeah, he, he got blown up here and there, and then I witnessed two of them, for God's sakes. But I just said, I think there's a potential there. He just needs to get his mental game in. So and then... Are they going to go out and sign like Edwin Diaz who throws 100 miles an hour? Dude, how much are you going to give him? Are you going to go sign Aroldis Chapman who's been a headache, who's not even on the postseason roster for the Yankees right now? So I guess you need a hard-throwing arm, but, you know, that comes with a risk. You want to go get Craig Kimbrell? You know, all all these relievers are very, like, disposable and dispensable at this point. So you can't, you, you got to keep signing them. And then even two years ago when they signed Tanner Rourke, they they got Brad Hand, you know, out of the uh, Cleveland Indians at that time. Now the Guardians. They got him and then they fucking flopped. And then I just go like, well, well, that was a terrible signing. But I'm like, well, but those guys are the ones that you wanted to go after. So they got to experiment again. And they got to go trade again. But this is not only the Blue Jays' problem. The bullpen problem and depth problem is a problem all across the fucking league. You need a solid rotation of like depth. Even the Dodgers like lost Urias and then Kershaw's hurt. And what's that redheaded name? I forgot his name. All of a sudden. But they're coming back. Even even the Mets hung around there with Scherzer and then like, you know, DeGrom coming back. And then they signed all these people. So it's depth. So you gotta keep throwing money at it. It's like, oh God, why are you giving $20 million to this guy, that guy? Gosman looks like a fucking marvelous deal at this point. Compared to Robbie Ray. I don't regret not signing Robbie Ray. Aside from the vaccination situation that he has. I just don't think he's a good pitcher. I think they got the most out of him. With the compens- like the draft pick that they got. So whatever. So. Uh, what The question in the offseason is going to be. Look. How, how do you get more hard throwing bullpen guys? Because Seattle had many of them. God damn Astros got some of them. Yankees got some of that. This team doesn't have anyone throwing 100 miles an hour. So are you going to go sign like... You, you got to go sign and spend. Well, they thought they did that when they signed Kikuchi. <laughs> Jimmy Garcia coming back again? It hasn't been so bad, you know, compared to what some people think. And I don't know. I, I think also the bullpen burnt themselves out at the end of it. And 
But then again, it's a starter depth that cost them. But I don't think the Blue Jays anticipated to to go down like that. And then they don't want to give up way so much and overpay for fucking Noah Syndergaard. You know, I would I go sign him. He's a free agent. Give him fifty million dollars. You know, or some shit. Eighteen million, twenty-five million that he signed for. Hell, just like it, it, like you need starting depth, and I would you need the starting depth and the batting depth. So and then you need the left-handed batters and you need some fucking veterans. This team clearly had no veterans, and I I I sound like fucking armchair quarterbacking, but where they're hustling the ball, where they make mistakes, where they cave a lot, where it's really you see a hundred and twenty percent of the Blue Jays, or you see thirty percent of the Blue Jays, and the fact that. Bipolar nature of the Blue Jays showed up in one fucking game and the most critical game possible when the season's on the line happens shows you what this team is lacking. It's not just it's not just the p- bullpen not performing. The hitters fucking cave too at the end of it. For God's sakes, they had chances and they they extended eight to five lead to nine to five at the end of it. And I go like the bottom of the lineup was helping Espinal Jansen. And all these guys, where's Vladdy? You know, where was Vladdy? Where was Bo at the critical time? Where was Teoscar? Well, Teoscar hit two home runs. That was fantastic. But Vladdy especially, he really struggled, especially the last month in September. I think he ended up hitting like, I don't know, 230 or something. He was really scuffling. Only Bo was like, Bo was having a terrible fucking season until late August. Beat up a bunch of nobodies, basically. To rack up that 400 and, you know, hit 470, which is still impressive. But it was a little, it was too late, in my view. And it, it got the team over to getting the homestand for the wildcard series. But hell, three of the four series went to the away team. The only team that won at, the, at home is Cleveland over Tampa. And Tampa's offense no-showed. And I watched both games. The fucking full 24 innings of it. So, my point is, is like, this team was not going to win the World Series. Hell, even if they got to the Astros, I think I gave them a 50-50 chance given how well they played, but also how cold some of their hitters are against really good pitching. This team has not had winning record against the winning teams all season. Just go look that up. They beat up a lot of bad teams that they're supposed to. But they really struggle against teams like Baltimore, Seattle. They flop the fuck hard. You know, Milwaukee, you know, even though you're not in the same league. It's like, but it's like, dude, interleague's over at this point. You got to win every game and then you got to be fucking solid and consistent. And there wasn't consistent enough veteran leadership who knows how to fucking wade through this shit. Maybe Simeon was it. And, like, they expect, oh, Chapman's a veteran. And I'm like, dude, he's not even 30. Get out of here. Like, look how balanced the Atlanta roster is. Look how deep the Dodgers roster is. And also Houston. So if you're not that deep, you know, at least have a better fucking attitude, you know, adjusting, and then, you know, Fucking shaving po- shaving every little thing away like the Rays, the Guardians, and the Rays do. And uh, the fucking Mar- Mariners. 
Mariners coming into the season, I felt like, oh my god, they were getting lucky. I really, th- I think the Astros will still have a easy time against the Mariners compared to the Blue Jays, but attitudinally, I think the Mariners are much better positioned to win than the Toronto Blue Jays, which is very unfortunate. Which makes this collapse a fucking travesty. So, what are they gonna do? The I'm ashamed. I bought two more hats this season. <laughs> I'm gonna have to tuck away. I don't like this Maple Leaf comparisons either because it's not the same. Like you don't watch the Maple Leafs, you know, and then go like, all right, like regular season and then the off season, you know, the playoffs. Maple Leafs at this point, the last five years is like playoffs. Even this coming NHL season, I'm just going. Like, I don't give a fuck what happens in the regular season. Austin Matthews won a Hart Trophy. Fucking great. That never happened in the Maple Leafs since, like, fucking Dave Keon. But they still didn't execute. You know what? But what they pro- what the Toronto Maple Leafs proved, at least, is that their raw talent is unbelievable enough to get them to the final. Especially what happened in the Tampa series. That's why I said keep the team. You got one more crack at it. The end. The Toronto Blue Jays, their window is closing. The contracts are coming up. Springer's getting older. Some of these players are getting older. Bullpen is always going to be risky coming in. So they got some homework to do. I really hope that they get that left-handed bat that could hit. Which is why I wasn't so against them just burning up the farm for Juan Soto. Because you're not just getting one year of Juan Soto. You get two and a half seasons. At least, yeah, two and a half seasons of Juan Soto. Imagine that Juan Soto and Vladdy Jr. and Bo... In the fucking lineup. That would change the dynamic of this team in a hurry. And Juan Soto can fucking run too. It's not he's not just a hitter. I would have I would have I would have traded Gabby Marino for that. I, I really would have. At least Gabby Marino, Tiascar, and then whatever. Because I think that would have changed the dynamics of this team. And then Soto won. Who else won on this fucking team? George Springer? He needed a fucking trash can to win. Anyways, so that, that's my take on it. I, I'm not even like utterly mad. Given, I, I, I'm also not surprised how it, it transpired. And it's also shocking how the wild card series went. This has been thoroughly entertaining for three games. Oh, imagine what's going on with the Mets fans in the Queens, New York. You know, imagine what's happening with St. Louis. How do you do Albert Pujols and Yadier and Adam Wainwright? Right? Yeah, yeah, shut the fuck up, you Missouri racist. You know, and then like Tampa, if they have any fans left. God, I've been to that stadium. I'm just surprised that the, like they got that far with that fan base. So, you know, Toronto Blue Jays, you got some homework to do. But I also understand what they try to do in the offseason and during the trade deadline. One thing I would have changed at the trade deadline is go get Juan Soto. I would have. I, I would have burnt. I, I don't know if the package would have matched the Padres one, but Padres are like just like saying fuck it. And to be honest, I don't think they're good enough to beat the Dodgers. But let's see. <laughs> That's gonna be entertaining series for once. So, anyways, thanks for listening. Oh boy, oh boy, that went uh, seven minutes longer than I expected. And then uh, have a great rest of the week. And then uh, we'll see you uh, next week. Peace out.